Our scripture lesson today is from the book of Acts chapter 1 as we start a new sermon series on the book of Acts. Let's share in God's good word together. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. We believe in God, but we have so little power. We want to witness, to heal, to serve, to change society. But we are ordinary people. We need God's help. We need spirit power. My name is Mark Foster, and I'm the senior pastor of the people known as Acts 2 United Methodist Church. We need God more now than ever. And so with the early church, we start a new sermon series today on the book of Acts. I hope you'll join us for this series all the way through. And so we pray as a church together. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever enjoy your consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. From the time I was in my early 20s, I have prayed this prayer more than a thousand times. And I pray, by God's grace, I will pray it more than a thousand more. This is the answer to our brokenness. As the church known as Acts 2, we pray daily, Come, Holy Spirit. And that is the beginning of our sermon series for the next six weeks. Come, Holy Spirit. We'll be looking at the book of Acts, uh, a chapter a day, five chapters each week. Um, For the next six weeks, there's only 28, so the last week you're just reading three. So it'll be nice and easy. But I hope that you will join with us, that you'll be reading with us each day and be empowered and blessed by the Holy Spirit coming into your life more and more these days. As a way of introduction, I want us to be reminded that the church exists only by the activity of God. The church exists by the activity of God. It is not something we do in our own power. It's not something we can do on our own. Even our very breath is a gift of God. Even our ability to say yes to God is a gift of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this thing that we call church, belonging to one another, being there for one another, living out our faith together, all of this exists by the power of God. Secondly, when we come to the book of Acts, we're coming to the very first book of church history. Acts is the place where we find the birth of the church and the book of Acts chapter 2 where we take our name. And so if you want to know about the church, if you want to be reminded about what church really means, what it does, who we are, what we're about, this is where we look. And so we start today with Acts chapter 1. Friends, the church starts here in the book of Acts. 
Now, we believe that the book of Acts was actually written by the gospel writer of Luke, who we call St. Luke. And so Acts is the second chapter of Luke-Acts. And so he continues the story of the gospel of Luke. Uh, we might, it's called the Acts of the Apostles, but I really like to think of it as the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the church, through the apostles and other believers. Now, Luke's purpose when he writes was to awaken faith, to celebrate the progress of the good news from Jerusalem all the way out to Rome, and to defend Christians against the charge of being troublemakers. Now, that charge happened both uh, within religious circles and within Judaism, and also with the Roman Empire, with the civil government. Because Christians were a new group. And when people don't understand things, they feel threatened. And so anything that bad that happened during the first centuries just simply got blamed on the Christians. And so Luke wanted to, the world to know that Christians were great for the world. Yes, they turned the world upside down, but in a good way. Where peace would reign, where we would serve one another, where we would care for the poor, where we would heal and help the hurting It was a good thing. And so these troublemakers, um, these Christians, people who actually did good in the face of evil, these who helped when others hurt, those who lifted others up that other people had pushed down, these troublemakers were known around the world. And this world, as they knew it at this time, was the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire stretched all the way from Jerusalem all the way to Spain. And right here in the middle is Rome. And so in these early days of Christianity, it spreads from Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And when they say ends of the earth, this is what they mean. And so we begin in the early chapters of Acts about the early church, and then it moves into the missionary journeys of Paul, which covered the known world as they knew it at that time, which is the Roman Empire. So as we get started, Jesus has a promise for his followers, for you and for me, as well as for the 12 disciples. Jesus taught that the Holy Spirit would come to all the believers, not just some, not just to the 12. This gift of the Holy Spirit is for you and for me, anyone who is open to be obedient to the will of the Father. And so in chapter 1, verse 8, it says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And if you'll keep that map in mind, uh, you'll notice that Jerusalem is like your local town. And then Judea, sort of like your state area. Samaria, maybe your country. And then to the ends of the earth is, well, the ends of the earth. And these Greek, this Greek word for power, that you will receive power, the Greek word is dunamis. And you'll notice that that's the root word of dynamite, and dynamic, the explosive Holy Spirit, the one that changes things, the one that gives you power when you don't have any power in your life. And friends, the church needs to be infused again with the power, the dunamis of the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe that beginnings and endings are important. I bet you do too. And I want you to see that these are Jesus' last words before his ascension, before he goes up to heaven to be with the Father, before he sends the Holy Spirit. This is what he says that you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. So in Acts uh, 1 verse 9, it says this, When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? 
This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And so he ascends. But there's a problem. And that is that Judas has died. There's only 11 of them. And Jesus has promised that they are going to judge the 12 tribes of Israel. That the future is in their hands, but they don't have enough people. This is a very big deal. And so we need to understand um, something that's, that's hard for us as Christians. We have to go back into the Jewish mindset. And what had been promised in Luke 22 is that there were going to be 12 disciples who then would judge the 12 tribes of Israel. And with only 11 of them, that couldn't happen. So look at Jesus' prophecy in Luke 22. Jesus says, you are those who have stood by me in my trials. He's talking to the disciples. And I confer on you, just as my father has conferred on me, a kingdom, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. There's only one problem. If every disciple is to judge one tribe of Israel, what happens to the the last one with Judas being gone? What happens to them? How do they care for them? There are hundreds, if not thousands of people at risk. What are they to do? There needs to be a real solution. You see, Jesus prophesied the 12 would rule over the 12 tribes of Israel in his absence, but now there's only 11. And in ways that don't really translate well for us, uh, in that culture at that time, the number 12 stood for Israel as God's people. 11 wasn't going to cut it. 10 wasn't going to cut it. 13 was too many. It just didn't work. 12 was the number. It represented everything that was right about God and about God's people. You'll notice when we get to the book of Acts chapter 2 that there were 120 people gathered waiting in the upper room for the Holy Spirit to come. 10 times that 12, an even greater thing to happen. And so what they believed at that time was that the divine plans could not go forward without 12 leaders who knew Jesus intimately. That's one of the great things about our faith. It's just not willy-nilly. It's not something that we overheard. It was an eyewitness account of people who knew Jesus and who had lived with Him and knew of the resurrection, had seen Him, uh, the risen Lord. So we receive our faith from people who were taught by Jesus personally, not by people who just happened to hear about it. So the scripture says this, when they entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying, Peter and John and James. Well, yes, that's who you would think were there. It's always Peter, James and John. And then Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon, Judas, son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together with, now watch this, certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. I want you to note the unity and harmony among men and women, family and friends, apostles and other believers. There wasn't an us-them mentality. They all gathered together. Certain women and Mary, Jesus' own mother and his brothers, all there with his followers trying to decide what to do next. As they wait on the Holy Spirit, what do we do next? And so they they began to to make a plan. Well, what would be required if we needed another uh, apostle to, to take Judas' place? We would pray about it. And then we needed to make sure that it wasn't our decision. It was actually God's will. And how would we do that? Well, in verse 21, they start the plan. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us. So they needed somebody who had been with them the whole time. 
one of these must become a witness with us to his resurrection. And so they have to also know about the resurrection. So they proposed two. They found two people who met that criteria. Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was also known as Justice, and Matthias. You see, you had to be a longtime follower of Jesus and an eyewitness to the resurrection to even be considered. This is really important in ministry. Sometimes people think, well, why do they get to or they get to or what are the requirements? There are real requirements in the church for leadership. Now, this is a really important thing that we know that our faith comes from people who walked with Jesus closely and were witnesses of the resurrection. And so they gathered together to see what they would do. So they prayed. The same, when we don't know what to do, we need to be on our knees and pray for God's will. And they prayed for the Lord's will to be done between these two candidates, between Justice and Matthias. And so they began to pray. And they said, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two you have chosen. That's a great prayer. When you don't know what to do, follow this example. Lord, not what I think. You show me what you want done to be done. You choose, Lord. That's a great prayer. And so they say, you have chosen. Show us which one of these two you've chosen to take the place in this ministry. And then just to make sure that it wasn't them making the choice, that God was making the choice, they played a game of chance. Uh, Think of spin the bottle. They simply spun the bottle between the two and it landed on Matthias. Uh, They call it casting lots. Uh, I don't know exactly the way that game worked, but it was used to complement, not replace, but to complement corporate prayer in discerning God's will. They had the requirements, they had their prayer, they had what they thought would work, but then they wanted to make double sure that it was God's will and not their own. And so they cast lots for them. And the lot fell on Matthias, and he was added to the 11 apostles. And the point was to ensure the selection of God's choosing rather than their own. And so I want you to see here is that from Mary to Matthias, our faith comes to us from leaders who knew Jesus personally and intimately. And you can count on it. And so as we come to these moments in our lives, whether it's modern day uh, America with all the troubles that we're having these days, uh, or in the early church, God's instructions provide a way forward for us. So I want you to see that. It, It comes with obedience, unity, and corporate prayer, all of these things paved the way for the coming of the Holy Spirit. They did what Jesus asked of them. They went to Jerusalem. They awaited the Holy Spirit. They prayed together. They were unified. They loved one another. They took care of one another. And then they looked to God to confirm what they believed to be the next right step. And when the day of Pentecost had come, 50 days After the resurrection, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. You see, the Holy Spirit unites and empowers understanding. When we're obedient, when we pray, when we look to God... Unity and harmony happen. The Holy Spirit comes, unites, and empowers our ability to understand one another. I want you to see what's happening here. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven. Friends, this is the chapter of the Bible where we take our name. We are a church that's open to every nation under heaven, every person that you could possibly think of. 
Now they happened to all be living in Jerusalem at the time. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Imagine an international gathering with with the cool little headphones and where you can understand Chinese, Japanese, Russian, um, Hebrew, you name it, you can understand it because you've got a translator going in your head. This happened on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts chapter 2 with no headset. And of course they were bewildered. They'd never experienced anything like this. It was the Holy Spirit giving them abilities to understand one another for the first time. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? And then he lists them out. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. Notice they're not just speaking about this or that. What the Holy Spirit is uniting is around the things of God so that the people of God can understand and appreciate and care and respect and love one another. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It comforts us and it gives us the ability to understand in ways that we simply can't understand one another without Him. This is good news, friends. This is the early church. This is what's possible. But I also want you to notice that it doesn't just happen. And it doesn't happen in isolation. It takes one another. As you might know, over the last 10 to 12 weeks, it's not been an easy time. And as I thought about closing the campus, trying to care for people in hospitals without being able to get into the hospital, to be able to Uh, make a house visit without being able to be in the house, to basically care for our flock of somewhere between 600 and 1,200 people. It was really hard on me. And one of the great gifts in my life is my wife, Chantel. And unbeknownst to me, she uh, was on a conference call with someone who actually was related to Bishop Wilkie. Now, Bishop Wilkie is the, he and his wife, um, they made Disciple Bible study. And if you've been a part of our church um, almost at all, you've probably been through Disciple Bible study or heard me reference it. It is a grand sweep of about 80% of the Bible uh, and now just 24 weeks uh, called Disciple Fast Track. We go through it every year because we think it's so important, uh, not just that we get all the way through the Bible, but that the Bible gets all the way through to you, to us. Because as we look into the Bible, it changes us. It brings us closer to heaven on earth. And so in Chantel's call, um, the person said, hey, if you know somebody who could use some encouragement, uh, Bishop Wilkie would love to write them a note. He writes uh, personal notes to people uh, each week. And so Chantel said, you know, I think, I think my husband Mark could really use a note of encouragement. And so not long ago, uh, I received this note in the mail from Bishop Wilkie uh, back in May. And he says, your dear wife, Chantel, has written telling us how important Disciple Bible Study has been in starting and building your church in Edmond. I'm so grateful. When folks get inside the scriptures, they find the Lord. That's right. And the Lord finds us too. God bless you in your vital ministry. Good to hear from your good wife.
or great to hear from your good wife. Blessings, Dick Wilkie. Now, friends, Bishop Wilkie created the Disciple Bible Study, like I said, and it has been completed now by nearly 2 million people worldwide. More than, than 10,000 congregations and 30 different denominations. And you'll, you'll notice May 15th, 2020, Bishop Wilkie this Thursday turns 90. He's writing these notes at 89 years of age. Happy birthday, Bishop. I'm encouraged, my spirit is encouraged by the Holy Spirit working through him, working through someone else I don't know, working through Chantel and receiving this blessing. And the Holy Spirit can work through you. You don't have to be in uh, person to person. You don't have to be in the same room to bless someone. Bishop Wilkie blessed me at 89 years of age from states away. And God can bless you too and you can bless someone else. So our action steps for this week are these. I hope you'll stay with us through this entire series. It's going to be great, the book of Acts. I simply ask that you would read one chapter of the book of Acts each day. Start today with chapter one. Uh, I gave you a good head start with most of it. Tomorrow, chapter two. Um, And then just read, you know, through the week, five chapters. And then you even got a couple days to catch up if you need them. But I hope you'll read chapters one through five of the book of Acts with me this week. And then secondly... I would invite you to pray with the church universal. Come, Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit gets involved in our lives, things change. Things that seem impossible become possible. This little band of 12 becomes 120, becomes 3,000, becomes the majority population by the year 325. This little group, empowered by the Holy Spirit, has changed the world. And it's something that you and I stand in today. Much bigger than covid much bigger than even our nation, much bigger than even our millennia. God's Spirit is on the move. Be a part of it. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.